All right, go ahead and end the show. Okay. All right, guys. So um, I'm glad that you enjoyed the show. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the movie that we watched. I hope that you caught the name. I'm not going to repeat it. And this is Real Horror Show signing off. <laughs> what if that? What if our intro or our, our outro was that brief? That would be yeah. awful. <laughs> yeah. It, I can uh, see that we are recording though. So. Yes. <laughs> uh, Hello and welcome back to Real Horror Show. I'm your host, Samantha, and I'm joined as always by the Stormy Skies. Hello. I've got chicken tenders. I know usually Stormy's the one that's eating on mic, but (laughs) we were out looking at cars today and I haven't had dinner yet, so sorry, not sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had like some chips earlier and I have a tea, so while Sam is eating, I will be drinking, so they'll just be loud mouth noises, so I hope that's all right. This is an ASMR podcast now, only we're not going to whisper. <laughs> whisper and put my face right in front of the mic. <laughs> so my lips are like brushing against it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't have a segue prepared for this episode, but yeah, let's this movie, dive in. Yeah. This movie was a lot and not yes. in a bad way, in a very yeah. good way. It was yeah. a lot. And I was not prepared for it. I was not expecting for it to be this much, um, but it was. (laughs) So uh, let's just get right into it. Let's just do it. (laughs) His House is a 2020 horror thriller film written and directed by Remy Weeks from a story by Felicity Evans and Tony Venables. The film tells the story of a refugee couple from South Sudan struggling to adjust to their new life in an English town that has an evil lurking beneath the surface. And uh, that is just a very brief summary that just brushes the surface of everything that is happening with this movie. Um, yeah, it, it, it is a lot like Sam said. And um, at the start, it's really, um, it's you're really unsure if this is actually a horror movie, but then when it gets into it, that's it. <laughs> like, <laughs> It starts and it does not stop until the end. Yeah, this is definitely one of those uh, fancy horror movies that have come out in recent years <laughs> yes. where it has a much deeper sense of conflict than just the ghost that's haunting the house. If there even is a real ghost that's haunting the house. Yeah. This movie um, yeah. is ultimately about grief. Um mm-hmm kind of PTSD and guilt. Yes, absolutely. And I liked it. I liked it a lot and I'm glad we were able to watch it. I knew um I had heard that it was very good, but whenever people say that it's very good, that only goes so far. So Sam and I have to kind of be the judge of that. And um like you know run don't walk to really go out of your way to watch this on netflix it is a gem within all the other films that are um horror films and um yes this is absolutely a horrifying film (laughs) um so before i say anything else i think let's go right ahead and get into performance and acting hell yeah (laughs) so while sam is chewing Um, Like she said, we have um, the two main characters who are a couple, 
and they move into um, new housing after being released from a detention center. And, um, you know, they kind of have a lot of rules laid out to them for what they're allowed to do while they're living in this house. Um, and it's uh, like remarked that this house is like actually really huge. And a lot of the people working with them are like, this is bigger than my house. You hit the jackpot. So automatically we know that there's something amiss about this house. And um, then we get to know more about the characters. And I think that um, I have not had experience with these actors before, but they um, are fantastic. They're expressive. And um, I couldn't take my eyes off of them <laughs> whenever um, working with this type of a horror film. Sam, uh, yeah. I believe you should be done chewing now. <laughs> I am done chewing. <laughs> that was me um, just bullshitting some words, but I'm ready for real talk. I'm not gonna attempt to uh, pronounce their names and butcher them. Instead, perhaps I will insert a Google pronunciation of their names right mm -hmm. here. <laughs> Thank you, Google. <laughs> Thank you, Google. <laughs> um, no, but they were fantastic, especially um, the woman who played Rial, the mm -hmm. wife yes. in the film. She was so good. And this movie, I'm going to put right up there with Toni Collette's performance in Hereditary, where we don't respect horror enough in some of these women in horror movies really fucking deserve Oscar nominations. Yes, absolutely. They sure do. Because within this type of a film, with everything that's going on and the subject matter, it's so layered mm -hmm. that you have to have an intense skill to be able yeah. to hone in on everything that she's dealing with in a matter of a few days, I think, in this film. Yeah, because we're led to believe that <laughs> she's mourning the loss of their daughter, Nia, Nia Gak, um, who yeah. died on yeah. while they were trying to flee South Sudan. Mm -hmm. We'll get more into that when we get into story. And just, she's quiet throughout her performance and you can tell she's a mother grieving mm -hmm. a loss. Yes. <laughs> It's easier to critique bad performances. Um, and I think one of my favorite moments she had in this movie that really stood out to me in general was when she was trying to find Church Street. Mm -hmm. And she went up to a group of Black schoolboys because they look like her. Right. But... <laughs> Even to them, she was still an outsider and they told her to go back to Africa because we speak English here. And I was like, holy shit, that is. I know that was pretty jarring, but. And just her confusion yeah. and mm -hmm. hurt on her face that these people who she should be connected with through possible heritage, through skin color, that, that moment really uh, stuck with me. Yeah, because she realized that she wasn't safe yet, like with, with anybody um, and she couldn't place her trust in anybody. So um, this is kind of where we see a turning point because she really doesn't come out of her shell until she actually find. And then her trying to find this hospital on Church Street is also pretty scary too, because it's like, 
it's like this weird maze of alleyways that she tries to go through and she ends up back where she started. So really weird stuff like that happened throughout the movie, which like made you become on edge. And then when she finally gets to the hospital, we see a bit of a turning point in her character. And we learn more about how, who she is, what she had to do. And then she remarks that she was able to survive by belonging nowhere. And so now we see her strength kind of come out and she thought that maybe she could rely on others, but she realized that no matter where they go and what they do, she's still going to have to trust herself the most. Um, And so it was an excellent moment of character development within a few scenes. Absolutely. And meanwhile, on the other side of the spectrum, because they're, they're refugees, they're expected to assimilate into Mm -hmm. the culture, into the society in which they are being quote unquote welcomed into Right. And we have her husband, her partner, Bull, who is a lot quicker to not feel welcomed, but feel like this is where he wants to be. This is where he feels like mm-hmm. he belongs. Yeah. She takes a really long time to even want to leave the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not, it's not until she has to go see a doctor that she leaves the house on her own. Right. Meanwhile, he's out there. He's looking for house he's looking for jobs he's dressing like a british white boy mm-hmm. yeah yeah he's going to doing the shopping he's trying to find common ground with um people by like uh learning like fun songs and trying to pick up on sports things like that he's trying to pick mm-hmm. up on the culture pretty quickly and justify to himself that this is what he wants and this is what is making him happy yeah and <laughs> She's just kind of rightfully because everybody grieves and mourns in different ways. She's still stuck mentally in Sudan. Yes. And they did say that it has only been like about a year since they had like left to come to, um, I guess they're in London Mm -hmm. now. Um, Safe assumption. Yeah. But even that year, I feel like when you lose a child or how we're led to believe her grief, it's still not long enough, especially when you're having that happen while you're trying to find a better life. Yeah. That's probably the most uh, like that. That's the most stressful life change you can experience. I don't think he was in the wrong either. I just, I mean, at least until not until we got to the little twist. Um, <laughs> the, li- the little twist. <laughs> um, because I really felt for him the first time they got into their house because it is such a big house. He just sat on the bed and cried tears of joy. And yeah, that even though from our privileged standpoint, that house was a piece of shit. Yeah, it was just a mess. They had waited so long for that piece of shit for yeah. a safe roof over their heads that they could call their own. Right. It was theirs. Finally, something was theirs. Cause even in the detention center, they were like sharing a room with two bunks that was tiny, like a cell with yeah. another guy. Yeah. Two grown adults <laughs> in yeah. a romantic relationship, having to share a room <laughs> with, with another human. Yeah. Just anybody. Um, and then just another performance to point out, this movie does have Matt Smith in it. The only name I am confident in pronouncing Yes, and I like recognized him actually right away. Yeah, um, he and I was like, is not that, that guy. <laughs> the doctor number eleven. He also plays more recently Charles Manson. 
Oh. And Charlie Says. Oh, I haven't seen that. It's an indie Charles Manson movie and they make him look really good, dude. (laughs) Well, I feel like Matt Smith is a very underrated actor. I think he's had bad luck in terms of finding work outside of Doctor Who just be probably because of his face. Not gonna lie. He has a very... (laughs) It's a very striking face and it's very like he doesn't look like just any white man. He has a very striking looking face. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like if you if you had never seen a British person before, I would just show you a picture of Matt Smith. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is what a British guy looks like. Oh, absolutely. But moving on into story, uh, even though they have this great new house that they have waited so long for, it it, could, it falls apart pretty quickly. This movie night is one. Yeah. night one. It falls apart. Oh my god. <laughs> So this movie actually got me with a jump scare because oh, I was really? watching which one <laughs> I was the one right at the beginning after they move into the house yeah. because I wasn't paying attention. I was working on something. And then as he's like investigating the noises in the house, yeah. I look over and I see the girl on the floor just as she's going <gasps> behind him. Yeah. 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 On the floor. And I was I'm like, like yeah, that's exactly my reaction. I was like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> But then they double down and follow up with another one and the bird flies out the wall. And I was like, Jesus. And I was like, wow, this like, is really going to go there, isn't it? And it Yeah, did. because I wasn't expecting that kind of jump scare within the first 10 minutes while we're having our get to know the characters time. Yeah, but listen, if you're going to have a haunted house, they went all in. Yeah, <laughs> which I really appreciated with this movie because the haunting, if the house was ever really haunted was directly related to their grief and their trauma. Yes. So it makes sense that the moment they have this house that they kind of got through dishonest ways. Yes. We'll get that in a little bit. (laughs) They would immediately be experiencing a lot of guilt, shame, remorse, all those negative feelings. Because that directly mirrors them them feeling even an ounce of joy and relief. Like they there's that but then it when that happens and you feel that you don't you don't want to allow yourself to feel that you know because you feel like you shouldn't because of all the things you've done to get you there um and that's kind of teased throughout the film and it's really hard to get a grasp on what exactly the issue is that they may have done wrong because to us they haven't done quite anything wrong and they have experienced a great loss and you really feel for them and you're like what can be wrong what can be wrong and all by the end it's it's a uh, it's a twist ending i couldn't have even guessed at into the story uh bull tries to assimilate he sings football songs asks real to use utensils rather than their hands when they eat which i oh and use the table too yeah, um, right after her experience at the hospital, she makes them dinner and sets it out on the floor. It's customary to eat with your hands or use bread as a utensil. Mm-hmm. It's probably similar to Ethiopian style cuisine. Yeah. Which you have the, um, it's not nan or non, but it's kind of like it. Okay. Um, his only comment was, you should have set the table. And I'm like, but this it's okay to eat the way you're used to. It's like the smallest thing that's connecting you back to your home. Right. Yeah. But I guess 
given the circumstances in which they had to leave, you don't, he probably didn't want to be reconnected with their home. Yes, that. And also I feel like for his character, he's so, um, he's so ready to turn the page, you know, and really start fresh. Mm -hmm. But also he's kind of, I feel like he might be kind of worried that if they don't start assimilating right now, which are like the words of the other individuals that put them there, they need to assimilate as fast as possible. If they don't even try, then he, he's worried that they'll never take it seriously. So he wants to like try, although, you know, it's kind of like falling. It's just kind of like, (laughs) it's, it's not happening um, with them. Sorry, before (laughs) I move on, I'm getting, I'm getting a quick pronunciation guide. And then he like kind of forces her to like use the utensils and then she like says it it tastes like metal and I was like dude I, I'm absolutely sure it tastes like metal um and it, it's like taking just steps away from what Sam said is like connecting them with just their culture. All of this comes to a head when Bull comes face to face with what's haunting them which he decides is an opeth or a night witch. Yeah we yeah which leads him to collect all their belongings from their past and burn it in the backyard, except for the necklace that belonged to their daughter. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of like was pulled off of the hem of a little doll dress and she, and she wore it as a necklace and that was like the only thing she had and he still like burned it, but she kind of got the burned necklace back. Um, But he burned it because he believed it had been cursed and mm-hmm. he was like, we have to just burn everything that has come over with us because we brought it with us. We brought the curse with us. Um, little do we know that he actually means that they have brought their guilt and their remorse and their regret over to with them, even into this new home where they thought they could just like turn the page and forget the past. Yeah. And so Bull starts to believe that it's the house that's cursed when the haunting doesn't stop. So he goes to mark their caseworker played by matt smith and is like please get us another house it's infested with rats and mark is a nice guy and he agrees that he'll help them find a new place but he's gonna have to investigate their current living situation and when he does there are holes all over the walls (laughs) which honestly big improvement yeah seriously (laughs) so and rial is straight up she tells him there's a witch in the house yeah. because I guess honestly, probably better for them to think you're crazy than mm-hmm. for them to think you have some sort of anger issues. Right. Yeah. And um, Mark is a pretty cool dude because he really does like do as much as he can within his means. Um, and I feel like not a lot of people in that position would be willing to do something like that. And so, uh, you know, he's able to kind of like let him go with a warning uh, about this witch so he can get get his, um, get everything situated. Um, and then things just kind of spiral further into this darkness of the haunting. Shortly after that, the Apeth offers Bull a deal, his life or his life for Neogax, which means, you know, if you kill yourself, I'll bring your right. daughter back. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I suppose at this point in the film, I know that seems like, like, oh, yeah, right. That couldn't happen because she's dead. At this point in the film, we believe that that is 
quite possible um, at this point because of how much um, supernatural, how, how many supernatural elements are like coming to light with this haunting because the haunting is terrifying. It happens every night. It's constant when they're in the house. And it's very scary to watch as a viewer because of the relentless jump scares, disturbing images, and just creepy noises. <laughs> and so you're starting to kind of get worn down along with the characters. And you're like, yeah, that seems like a fair deal. Um, but at that point, Bull kind of says no and rejects it. Mm-hmm. And um, Rial also escapes the house and where it led to believe she goes back to South Sudan and um, rejoins her friends and family there. However, not all is what it seems to be. We find out through flashback that all the women she's currently with are dead because they were gunned down. Yes. Because there's a war going yeah. on yeah she said between the two um tribes where she lived they were literally she, she said they were killing each other yeah um and it seemed that when we watched it um i guess this was kind of like a dream a hallucination something that was uh shown to the audience to make us a bit more confused um mm -hmm. because at this point we we're like what is really happening and what is not we're not sure yeah but she survived because she hid in like a little cupboard and I wasn't sure why she was there until I saw them walk out of that building yeah. it, and I was like oh this is this must be a flashback and then here is where we get what actually happens yeah we see the horrors of war that led them to seeking refuge in another country and they're as they're trying to escape Rial is able to get onto the bus but Bull isn't so he grabs a little girl that was next to him and uses her to get on the bus and this whole time we're led to believe that Niagak is is their daughter but spoilers if you haven't watched the movie if you haven't watched the movie oh. stop like stop now <laughs> she's not their daughter he kidnapped this little girl because her mother comes up to the window and calls out to her they're calling for each other as the enemy is driving down the road about to gun down these people who are trying to escape. Yes. And this was the turning point in the movie where we're able to connect the haunting to this very event in this yeah. very moment, because this whole time the, the yeah. ghosts are calling them thieves and they don't, they're dishonest. You have to repay your debt. Mm -hmm. And we don't really know why until this moment. Yes. And it's because they stole this little girl yes. and her mother probably died shortly after that bus drove away. Yes. Whenever then, the haunting was happening, the ghost was constantly saying mama. And that was reinforced in the fact that they had lost a daughter. Mm. But here, when we see this happening, the girl is actually calling out to her mother outside the bus running after her like screaming mama and it's just it sends chills across your skin because you didn't you did not expect that however um this point leads to the next even bigger point which is where we understand their grief stemmed from but now it's tenfold because of 
the fact that we know that this is not really their daughter. Yeah. And that they're responsible for this little girl's death who had no connection to them. She never got to see her real mother again. Mm-hmm. Just, it was all for nothing. I mean, they, they yeah. technically got what they were going after, but at what cost? Exactly. At what cost? And the cost of a life, but also the cost of an innocent life at that. Um, just an innocent bystander used for a purpose and that's all. Um, we do see that, uh, the little girl may have warmed up to the idea. We're not warmed up, but like accepted the idea that like she couldn't really do anything. And, um, uh, Rial said like, I'll protect you because she was pretty certain that they just have to care for her now. And she did see her as her daughter. And then like Sam said, we were really unsure why they were being called thieves and they had to, you know, that why was this witch after them if this witch uh, was the type of person that would haunt you only if you stole something that wasn't yours. And I was like, I don't understand what they stole. And now that we know, we know that there's a certain point in the movie where Rial keeps saying that they have to mourn the loss of their daughter and um, Bull is just not having it. And I was, and he calls her mad. And I was like, why is he saying that? Is he trying to gaslight her? But like in real life, we now understand that they never had a daughter. Yeah. And the movie's climax is Bull accepting his fate, deciding he does want to bring her back and giving the apath what it wants, which mm-hmm. is his life. And I really, I really, the, the apath was fucking creepy. Whoa, I know, right? It, it had like these old man titties. <laughs> but it also had glowing eyes and they yeah. weren't just like stupid. It was just a very terrifying skeleton creature with skin that was sagging off of it. And it was it, it was like a demon that had crawled out of the ground through their floor. <laughs> and it was just scary. Yeah, very scary. It was intense and Rial makes a very big decision to kill the apeth instead of letting it take bull that and that is symbolic because she is accepting that they can't change what happened and that she needs to find acceptance and begin moving forward because ultimately his death isn't going to solve the issue because we we don't know if these ghosts are real or and then she'll just be sad that her partner is Mm -hmm. dead yes it won't fix anything and it ends with them ready to assimilate Mm -hmm. into English society. She says she wants to paint the room red. They fix the holes in the wall. And I think my favorite part of this movie was when Matt Smith asked them if there were still any ghosts Mm -hmm. in the house. Mm -hmm. Bowles said that ghosts are just always going to be with us. And that's that's something I feel like American ghost movies always miss is yes. ghosts aren't real, but they're kind of real because they're just some part of us mm-hmm. personifying like grief or guilt, wanting to find right. some semblance of our loved ones still mm-hmm. with us. And the movie closes with the ghosts of those who died. Mm-hmm. Um Niagak and their friends who were shot and killed in South Sudan mm-hmm. in the house with them as ghosts, but not vengeful spirits, just 
just there yeah because their their memories and they're carried with them all all those lives that touch them and they're yeah. still there and not to pat myself on the back as a writer but <laughs> it, it is similar to something I wrote in my one of my 10 minute plays where which is ghosts are just metaphors for the past is it the one about the church conversation yeah nice like they're they may not be real but they are because our past is always gonna haunt us in some way it's never going to leave us even though they're ready to yes move on and so like i feel like in this movie we were shown um grief personified in two different ways which is trying to forget about it immediately or trying to continue to dwell like you said in the beginning and then now at the end we saw that once again personified the two different like sides to that same coin which is you can succumb to it or you can face it mm-hmm. um and it just is a matter of choice yeah and i'm fine when horror movies don't have happy endings mm-hmm. but i am glad this one had a happy ending they deserved it yes Yes. And it's not like we know based in real life that it's not a happy ending. Mm-hmm. They're not going to link arms right. and skip down the street <laughs> to the local Tesco. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then they're not going to have let that little girl return to her mother and everything yeah. is going to be right in the world. It's just they're able to survive now. Yeah. Like they're still going to have the real horror show of trying to not be outsiders <laughs> in this community, mm-hmm. which we saw the realness of when <laughs> that British schoolgirl peed in their backyard for some fucking reason. Is that what was happening? I was, yeah. I, I, I like was not looking. And then I noticed that, that like, she was kind of like squatting and I was like, yeah. did she pee? And I, I didn't rewind it to see if she did or not but I assumed that she had and then even with people who look like them they're gonna have trouble connecting with just because of cultural differences and it's still a long journey ahead of them and like racism and all that great stuff that exists in our world right um but but they're, they're, they're free like of their, step. yeah, they're free of their vengeful spirits. They're free of their guilt in a yes. way. Yeah. They're done kind of like locking it away. And now that they're able to live with it, they're able to, I feel like come to a sort of balance with it mm-hmm. and survive as well as acknowledge it. So they're doing their best. Yeah. All things considered. <laughs> Oh, this movie was the de- a debut for director Remy Weeks. Oh, well, you know what? More they, horror from him, I hope we see, because that was terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Everything about it, the subject matter, the metaphors, the imagery, the scary monsters, it all was. Yeah. So well done. Fan- fantastic. In fact, mm-hmm. the whole time, I guess this segues us into production. Yes. Uh, the whole time I was thinking... This guy should handle the next Amityville horror remake. Ooh, that would be pretty fabulous because the Amityville horror hasn't really gotten it right yet, has it? <laughs> yeah, no, even the original barely got right. it right. It really didn't, did it? <laughs> and there is a chance it can be saved because I was thinking while I when I when that 
blah, blah, blah. <laughs> when that popped into my head, um, I was reminded that the Conjuring universe, technically the Amityville horror happens in the Conjuring universe since all those movies are based on Ed and Lorraine Warren. So we could possibly get another Amityville horror movie. And I think Remy Weeks should be at the wheel of it because he he got the haunting and... Oh, God, yes. Did it so well. Yeah. Um, so my vote is my my vote is for Remy. <laughs> Remy, if you're listening, I vote Remy for Amityville Horror. Yeah, I'm sure he's a big fan. <laughs> but yeah, this movie was very well shot, very beautifully done, well written. I loved the the um. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear the sirens in the background. I can absolutely hear the siren. I was about to ask if there was a fire nearby because I can hear the first responders. I mean, but it's I, gone now. It's all good. Okay. I hope there's not a fire. I'm not paying attention to anything. Oh my God, Sam, watch out. Um, no, he was, this was great. I think he's a film editor usually. So this was his directorial debut and I definitely, you can tell he's a film editor based on that. Um. Excellent. Yeah, it, it comes up that he is a film editor. This movie sure had exquisite editing. There's a scene where they are eating at the table. Mm-hmm. And while they're eating at the table, it's slowly fading him back into war-torn South Sudan. Yes, I was like, what is happening? And it, yeah, and he's floating in the water because his main like nightmarish memory recall is going across that sea from Sudan to, I guess, wherever they end up, Europe, somewhere in Europe um, on the coast there. And that's when the people, there's an accident and many people fall into the water and mm-hmm. only some make it. And that's yeah. where they lose um their quote-unquote daughter and he's back on that water and he's there whenever he's having these these like nightmarish daydreams (laughs) but the way it happened was a flawless transition from eating at the table in the house to being float to be to floating on the water yeah Mm -hmm. and war-torn Sudan with smoke from gunfire all around him so all around very beautiful movie i said in our mini show that just came out when we were assigned this movie uh (laughs) that if it's tv 14 i hope it builds up atmosphere i've started giving pg-13 horror movies a break because they've really come up in the world in recent years however Mm -hmm. when i can tell that they were intended to be r-rated horror movies that were just edited down to appeal to a PG-13 audience, that's yeah. the shit I can't stand, like Slender Man. Wait, was this PG-13? Is that what you're saying? It was, it was TV-14, so uh, the what is that? equivalent of PG-13. Uh, I see, but yes, <laughs> Slender. Because, because <laughs> technically Netflix original movies are TV movies. I don't know, it's, their rating it's... system is weird because they don't do R ratings, they do TV MA for their movies. Is Slenderman like streaming? I don't know. We already reviewed it. I don't want to watch we it again. We did? Yes. 
<laughs> oh, it was okay. a very I was spe- say we should review it. It was a very special horror show because we left the house to go see it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because we both went to the movies years ago. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Never mind. this movie was very atmospheric. That's all I wanted to say. The music was have, great. Yeah, the music was great. Um, I do have something to say, though, about Netflix, not necessarily the movie. But um, you know how whenever you start a movie and it'll tell you in the upper left-hand corner the rating, like Sam said, and then it'll tell you like stuff, like trigger warning stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it'll say like nudity and language and stuff. This one said, um, I guess it said like, uh, like self-harm and then like something else. And then it said fear. And I was like, uh-oh, watch out for that fear. <laughs> like, yeah. like, you put that there. It's silly. It's a horror <laughs> movie, guys. Come on now. You mean this movie with the scary thumbnail on the front page is scary? Yeah, I just thought that that, adding that you know like keyword there was kind of unnecessary yeah (laughs) unless you really want a chill horror movie I don't know what to say about that I just thought it was weird excuse me well I don't have anything more to say about that I guess we can uh with our few minutes left we can move into our uh, real horror show realities of this movie and then go into our grade yeah um i think i already know both of our grades yeah uh war it's definitely a real horror show <laughs> yes which war is hell. most of us in first world nations will probably never have to experience on our own front yards jk america is definitely going into a second civil war within the next 15 years you heard it here first, folks. You heard it here first, folks. And um, yeah, we'll make a bet. But anyway, um, yeah, just having um, other individuals occupied, occupying your home uh, is scary, especially in a conflict. So we'll never quite understand how that feels, Sam and I, right now, at least. Um, and then uh, what's more... Uh, being every, yeah, being a refugee in a mm-hmm. predominantly white country because most refugees, at least in the last 20, 40 years, have been Africans mm-hmm. and other people of color. Right. Yeah. So just something that sets you apart from somebody else that you can't control is the real horror show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then being judged for it is you know, the cherry on top of that real horror show. And uh, essentially that is just the downfall (laughs) of our American society. Um, But it seems like it's ever so prevalent in other, you know, predominantly white, um, you know, nations such as, you know, London, Europe, whatever, but I don't live there. So I can't speak on that too much. Um, And then moving on from that, literally every type of atrocity you're willing to attempt to be free Mm -hmm. of fear um, or conflict. Um, Even if that is disregarding the life of somebody else, something that you probably see happen all the time and never want to repeat it. But when it comes to that fight or flight, you need to make a choice and you never know what a person is capable of to just escape so that's pretty deep <laughs> that's the real yeah. issue there uh and then 
following up with that, um, guilt just suffocating you and making you want to kill yourself, essentially, which is kind of what we're seeing here. Uh, the sacrifice is essentially a metaphor for just wanting to be rid of your pain. So just wanting to die and accepting that if you are no longer alive, you won't feel that pain and it won't affect people around you. So that, um, and then dealing with a nightmare situation of actually experiencing a haunted house, <laughs> such yeah. as that type of a haunted house, which is um, a place where I don't understand how people would be able to actually sleep at night <laughs> because it was so terrifying. Mm -hmm. um, and you know what? I'll throw one out for Mark. Uh, yeah. Visiting your, uh, the person, your case files house and seeing that he put a bunch of holes in the wall with a hammer. Yeah. So you're automatically worried about either his mental health, if there really are rats or if they're crazy people mm -hmm. and you really can't tell after a few days. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Excellent. Uh, I'll give this movie a, ah, uh, yeah, that fucked me up. Ah, uh, yeah, that really fucked me up. I watched it yesterday night. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that was fucking insane. Yeah. Um, uh, if you haven't watched it, uh, one, watch you it. just got spoiled. Sorry, not sorry. We warned you. Yeah, we uh, warned two, you. <laughs> go watch it. It's great. It's it's a lot, but it's yes. very well. Yeah. Yeah, don't watch it just um, for, for fun really watch it to understand it and unpack it. Um, and also, although we did spoil it, if you were listening and you didn't watch it yet, I feel like if you still watch it, it's gonna still be pretty jarring and shocking because the way it's presented, you know, visually, we can't compare with just summarizing it here, you know, on a podcast. Yeah. So right on. Um, I think that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I don't want to say any more. Um, I think we, uh, I think we hit all the, the points there. Hell yeah. And uh, for the rest of the week, Sam and I are going to be winding down from that one and watching we Vampire Diaries. <laughs> Absolutely. Because that's what you watch when you want to chill and just watch mindless TV. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But stay tuned for our next discussion on the second half of, I guess, the Vampire Diaries, or should we be discussing the second season? I'm really not sure. We'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. And then after that, we will choose our next movie, you guys. So stay tuned and happy almost spring. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Well, I'll go ahead and start the outro notes. Sam, is that cool? That's fine with me. All right, let's do it. Real Horror Show was created by Sam Odie and Stormy Skies and is directed by Sam Odie. Uh, today we learned a lot. Yes, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> like what you hear, you can find Real Horror Show on Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play Store, Stitcher, iTunes, and Pandora. Really, really like what you hear? Follow us on Twitter at Horror Show Pod or search for Real Horror Show on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook at Real Horror Show. Like our page and share our stuff. We also have a website that all of our written reviews and podcasts can be found, realhorrorshow.com. 
want to interact with us, want to make sure we're real humans and not space vampires, comment on our website or email us at realhorrorshowpodcast at gmail.com. Want to argue with us about something or think you have a really great horror movie review that you're dying to share with two random strangers from the internet? Submissions are open for movie reviews. Check out the submit page on our website and follow the rubric for sending us anything. If it's not done according to the rubric, it will be disregarded. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, submissions are open for our yearly anthology called the October Monologues. Check out the submission guidelines on our website and send us your creepy shit. We love horror. And if you're listening, you do too. Please help us keep our project going by visiting our support page on our website where you can make a one-time donation via PayPal. We also have an Amazon wish list. If you feel like buying us something tangible will help convey your love more than a monetary donation would. Also, Buy us a coffee is a button you can click that will pay us the amount you would need to buy a coffee. A little bit goes a long way. Sometimes we can't help out artists monetarily and that's okay. By simply liking, sharing, retweeting, and even giving us an awesome review will help us out tremendously. And do we have any other pertinent news? Mm, Not right now. Yeah, I think that we have nothing new to report, you guys. So our outro song is called Creepy Doll by Jonathan Colton. Thank you, fuck off, and have a swell evening. And this is Real Horror Show signing off. Bye. Bye-bye. I love the creepy doll that always follows me.